before Big Ben's throw, before Santonio Holmes' catch, before Pittsburgh became Sixburg. There were doubts. There was a daunting schedule. There was a dominant defense. This is the season. 2008 Pittsburgh Steelers. Welcome Steelers Nation. I am Bryant McFadden, your host and cornerback on the 2008 Pittsburgh Steelers. On this podcast, I'll revisit our Super Bowl run from a decade ago with former teammates and coaches, delivering you behind-the-scenes insights and memories on the biggest plays, personalities from that memorable season. This week, you're hearing added voice on the podcast, and that's Pete Prisco a longtime journalist covering the NFL and my colleague at CBS Sports. Pete will be able to add a reporter's perspective to our discussion with Deshae Townsend as we break down Week 14 versus the Cowboys. Week 14, Steelers and Cowboys, and boy, oh boy, that was an interesting game. And Bryant McFadden, you were a big part of it, and I know you got a buddy of yours that was also a big part of that. No question, no question, Pete, a former teammate, a big-time, big-time friend of mine. You know, he's like family. He really showed me the ropes when I first got drafted to Pittsburgh. And a professional on and off the football field, Steeler fans, you remember him. 13-year pro, 12 solid great years with the Steelers, a two-time Super Bowl champion, one of the smartest defensive players to ever put on a Steeler uniform. And Pete, he was so smart. The legendary Hall of Famer Dick LeBeau named a defense after this guy. No other but Deshae Townsend. He is joining us here for this Week 14 matchup as we travel back in time honoring our 2008 Super Bowl team being able to bring the sixth Sticky Lombardi to the Steel City. No other organization, Pete, has six Lombardis. The Shea, please, please, it's an honor having you join us here to really go back in time and talk about this Week 14 matchup between the Dallas Cowboys and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hey, hey, I'm glad I'm here. That introduction is, is way too much. I appreciate how you brought me in. Right there, <laughs> hey, hey, it's an honor, man. Like I said, man. Make, you, make me sound good, Brian. Pete, man, I, I, I want to see my introduction. <laughs> Pete, I see and talk to you almost every day. <laughs> I like that introduction. You know, I got I, the fans got to really go back in time and think about what the shape meant to, to the Steeler organizations. Like I said, he played there 12 years, great years, came in from Alabama, Tie where he wore the number two, uh, took over the number 26 there in Pittsburgh and was an unbelievable player on and off the football field. And when you talk about our two most recent Super Bowls, the Shea had a big hand in the success, not just from the defensive standpoint, but as a leader for both sides. That meant a lot. And he's coaching now. No I mean, question. You, you said he was one of the smartest players to wear. And, and Deshae, you're now coaching with the New York Giants. How did, how did that evolve, by the way, as before we get into this game, how you got into that path? Oh, man, it was, it was always uh, how I was brought up from Carnell Lake and Darren Perry was when the young guys came in, you're only good as the next guy on the field. And, uh, you know, we all as an organization, that was just a culture in the building. So um, what B-Mac is saying about uh, sharing with the young guys and trying to help those guys get to the point where they're playing at a high level, that's how we were brought up. And, uh, you know, I got into coaching just like that. You know, uh, my DB coach, Coach Horton, became a coordinator. 
Um, when I retired, that was my 13th year. He called me and asked me if I wanted to coach. So uh, it was just as simple as that. Uh, but that, that's the that's the part of the game. I always enjoyed the the game plan of it, knowing who the coordinator was, and you know the the most part and the thing that we love. And B Mac can tell you more about it. Is um, when we could call out the route before they ran it, and teams and guys just really hated when we were able to do that on the field. And that, that's just a part of being a good player. We're going to week 14. This is a big game for you guys during this, this Super Bowl season. The week before you had beat the Patriots with Matt Castle. So I put an asterisk next to it because Stop it, was, it wasn't Tom Brady. <laughs> a win is a win. A win is a win. But, but you come off that win and you got a big home game against the Dallas Cowboys. What was the week like? You knew the importance, obviously, of that game leading in, guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, that week always, and like any other week for us, you know, it was always, uh, the next game is the most important game. But, you know, when you're playing the Cowboys and you look at the history of that game throughout time, it always means a little bit more when you get to play those type of teams in the environment, when they bring up the older games, when they used to play uh, so many times, and then you get an opportunity to play in that game. Uh, the environment was electric. And it was an opportunity to keep um, making ourselves one of the best defenses in the NFL as well as and heading our division. No question. I think also for, for us at that point, Shay, you know, we were really playing real good football, winning three straight. Uh, and Pete talked about that victory over the Patriots the week before. You know, we really felt like we were hitting our stride, especially on the defensive side. I mean, we were playing lights out, forcing turnovers weekly, getting multiple sacks weekly, and just being able to uphold the standard, which at that time, I think it was allowing no more than 16 points per ball game. Mm -hmm. You know, that was the standard that Dick LeBeau had for us as a defense. And for us, you know, the history and the the tradition that both organizations have as far as this Week 14 matchup was a huge opportunity for us, once again, to put great product on film. Primetime matchup, and Shay, you remember what Mike Tomlin used to always tell us, it's a five-star matchup because we're in it. Because we're in it. (laughs) We're in it. And that's that's some true statement right there. Um, but you know that's how we played. You know we knew that's how we had to play each week because uh, you know with with us as a defense, we know we want if we could get in the ball at the end of the game with the game close, we'll go find a way to win it. It was a classic case of what could have been a sandwich game, though. You were coming off the big win against New England. You had Baltimore the following week in a big division game. Uh, if it wasn't the Cowboys, you know, because the Cowboys bring out, you know, they, they show up and they bring out the best in a lot of teams. <laughs> if it wasn't the Cowboys, was there always the risk that, that that couldn't have been the same type of game in terms of motivation for you guys? I don't, I don't think when you look at the makeup of our, of our team at that point, the number of years uh, that a lot of us have been playing together, that, that sandwich game, I, I, I don't, me personally, I don't believe in that because our mindset is weak. We wanted to be consistent. And uh, if you look at how we played, even if we lost or won, we wanted to play at a high level. And, uh, you know, the Cowboys was just the next guy on the schedule. And I think, you know, with the veteran guys that we had, the team that we had with Troy and Ike and B. Mack and, you know, James Harrison and Barry and those guys, we wanted to play at a high level every week. So 
we took no one for granted. Now diving into that week 14 matchup, Steeler fans, I know you guys been waiting for this. Uh, it was a 416 kickoff. Like I said, a national televised game. It's a five star matchup because the Steelers are in it. That's all you need to know. <laughs> well, the Cowboys were in it. No, it wasn't about the Cowboys. <laughs> it was about the Pittsburgh Steelers. And at that time, the Steelers, we entered that ball game nine and three. Like I said, winning three straight ball games. The Cowboys, uh, entered that ball game eight and four. Also winner of three straight and a battle for the playoffs in the NFC. Gamblers, the Steelers were favored four point by four points. The over under, under was set at 38 and a half. And it was a very, very cold game, 22 degrees, uh, there in Pittsburgh, eight degree wind chill factor. So of course, in the, oh, yeah. in the words of Dick LeBeau, still a weather. That's still a weather. That's when you don't wear any sleeves. <laughs> you know, you got your abs showing pregame warm up. You got your socks down, Pete. That's grown man weather. I don't know if you're quite ready for that type of atmosphere. No, I hate the cold. Absolutely hate the cold. <laughs> uh, but you know what though? The Cowboys traditionally didn't like the cold much either. Yeah. And so th- there was a little bit of an advantage for you guys in that spot. Well, we always felt that way. I know for me, I'm a Florida kid. So, you know, going back in time when I first got drafted to Pittsburgh, the first thing I thought about was cold weather. And then when I get into the locker room and I'm around these for real grown men and it's 10 degrees outside and they were running around with no sleeves on, it was only appropriate for me to not put sleeves on. It was a mental thing. And I think we use that to our advantage, especially in late November and December football. Is that really smart, though, to walk around with no sleeves and no shirt before a game when it's in the 20s? Well, I think it is. (laughs) The fine fine book, the fine book in our room, uh, you know, we had a little fine miss picks and but you always got ding for a little fine if you wore sleeves. So wow. We, we, we were, yeah, we had, you a, had the tinkage book. There's always, you never can wear it. As a DB, you couldn't put sleeves on. So, no question. You know, you, that, that was just the mindset. And then and it was just one less thing. When the opponent looks across and you see guys and it's 10 degrees and those cats have no sleeves on, hey, that's, that's one more play that I just made them because exactly. they're looking at the wrong thing. Exactly. Let's go in depth into this Cowboy matchup. Of course, you guys – you diehard football fans remember the Cowboys roster led by Tony Romo. Guy was playing really good football. They also had uh, Tashar Choice, who was filling in as uh, the starting running back uh, that particular week. Terrell Owens still playing big time football. Jason Witten still playing outstanding football. They also had Martellus Bennett, uh, a young Martellus Bennett, Roy. Williams, you remember that name, Pete? Roy Williams was a first-round oh, yeah. pick. They made a bad deal for him. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So they had quality personnel on the offensive side. And for us, you know, it was a big ball game from the defense. The defense was lights out. We forced five turnovers for the second week in a row. Listeners, think about that. Two weeks, we had a total of ten turnovers. That's 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 deal of defense. Now, Deshae. Like I said, you're one of the smartest guys I've ever been around from the player standpoint. And now, of course, you're coaching. Going into that week of preparation, you know, Dick LeBeau, he really trusted you with everything. You were like the brains behind the brains as far as the operation in between the lines. What was your mindset set as far as going against a quality passer in Tony Romo? Like I said, he had back-to-back 300-yard performances prior to playing against us. What was your mindset knowing they had an outstanding passer, at the quarterback position, a future, soon-to-be Hall of Famer, and Terrell Owens, who was still playing lights out, and not to mention one of the best possession tight ends in the game, and Jason Witten. What was your mindset as far as game prep for that week? Well, you know, always for us is you know, to figure out what they do best. Um, my mindset always is to figure out what who is going to be attacking me or what, what do they like to do. 
Um, and I think Coastal Bowl has always put a great game plan together um, for us to, you know, always be multiple, uh, move around, and see who plays the best. And I think that's what we did. Uh, we did a good job of uh, seeing what they were going to do and then taking away their top weapon. You know, it was an ugly game when you look at it. it you know, for Dallas being putting up gaudy numbers in the previous weeks, you guys kind of uglied up that game. Was that the mentality going into every single game is, is put it on the defense and make it an ugly defensive game? Now, see, that's, that's a beautiful game. It just depends on, uh, <laughs> I guess all the, all the people out there that want to see school points and, and great plays. The defense, we want that to be when you play us, we, we know it's going to be ugly anyway because we're going to hold you. We're going to stop the run. We're going to force you to pass it and we're going to keep you on the 17 points. And I think, uh, no, for us that game and every game is always when you when you create turnovers you get your chance to win and uh, how we were playing like like we talked about earlier those two weeks of creating turnovers and and wanting to make plays on the ball was just a staple of what we did that whole year. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest Is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats. Now, in the beginning of the game, actually 56 seconds in the ball game, Troy Palomalu intercepts Tony Romo a pass that was intended for Terrell Owens. Uh, 2008 right. was an unbelievable year for uh, TP. Uh, I think he set a career tied a career high uh, with seven interceptions in that season. How special was he week after week after week when you look at what he was able to do in totality in 2008? I, I just think that's who he is. You know, he is the plays that he was able to make not only in the air with the ball in the air, but also at the line of scrimmage. And also just to give quarterbacks and offensive coordinators havoc because of where is he going to be? Always having to account for a guy that it could be anywhere. And, and like always with Troy, you know, he, he was like that. Most of the guys on our team, he was so smart. People saw him do things, but it was always so calculated. And when he did it, it was right. Yeah, but later on in the game, he whiffed on Tashard Choice when he went 50 yards for. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey, Pete, we don't, I never, don't remember that. You never miss a tackle. If you never miss a tackle, you never play. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but the game was, I mentioned the ugliness of the game. Roethlisberger fumbles a snap and you guys lose possession yeah. of the ball. What, what goes through, you know, defensive players, what goes through your mind when you got to go back out there bang after a turnover, which should never happen on a quarterback sneak? You know what? Our guys, the only, you know, we always had a couple things, and you know, if you ever had a chance to see us on the sideline in practice, talking and sitting around, and then when they say defense is up, you got to see the guys sprint to the ball, which was it was amazing to see the mindset of the guys on our defense, and then we always just kind of thought that the only way you can make a play if you're on the field, and um, you know, it, it'll put the ball down. We had so many things that. We didn't care when, whatever happened. Our mindset is when we got out there, we was going to get our ball back to the offense. And prime example, you know, after he fumbled, you know, we, we trade a turnover. Mm-hmm. Then they do something again, and then we go back out and do what we're supposed to do. That was just the mindset of the guys on our defense. And, uh, you know, and, that, and that's why we played so well that year. Yeah, I think that was a standard, you know, in situations like that. The uncontrollable happens as far as an offense having a turnover. But for us, it was an opportunity to show 
not just our fans, but the entire league, how great we were and being able to go out. And like you said, Shay, we forced a a turnover. I think it was Ike Taylor's interception. Um, If I'm not mistaken, I think we were in a two-buster call. He did a great job in showing showing single high. And two-buster for us was an opportunity for the corner to really be able to play with his his eyes facing the quarterback in a sync technique. It's almost like a two-man concept. And our disguise concepts were phenomenal. That's where you would see Troy lining up above, the, uh, over the center, or the guard floating around the line of scrimmage, and initially he jumps to the to the half. And I think that was the play that Ike was able to pick off. And that just for us that season, and like I said, historically speaking, we had one of the best defenses in the history of the game because we forced thirteen straight opponents under three hundred yards total. So that really provided momentum and especially at home for us man when we get turnovers in the stadium go rocking go they, they start rocking so just come out don't pout because a lot of defenses pout when you get a lot of turnovers from the offense we see it all the time for us here let's go let's show our worth but but nick folk makes a field goal three three at the half when you go in are you guys thinking all right let's hope the offense gets it going or let's keep them three uh-huh. points and we'll get a field goal and win this game six three if we have to you know, there's a couple of different things that you always we used to always talk about, and especially with us in this game being three three was, you know, we probably were upset uh, that they didn't have two. We always figured if their defense held somebody to three, you know, what I'm saying we got to play better than our opponent's defense. So you know, that was never, you know, we never. That was the great thing about our mentality was we never worried about what the offense was doing. We kind of just control what we could control, and if we played the best defense on the field, we'll win the game. No question. Now, the first touchdown, Shay, came 949 in the third quarter. Tony Romo uh, extends the play, you know, makes a few guys miss. He was able to find Terrell Owens for his first catch of the game. And at that time, right. Ike was following Terrell. He made a touchdown uh, a grab, leaping in the end zone over Ike. Cowboys take the lead 10-3. Memories of that play, but also outside of that, take the listeners in the mind of our defense because it was a close right. game. Like Pete said, three, three going into half. And eventually they were able to sustain drives, get into the red zone, score a touchdown. We're finally down at right. home. 10, three. Well, you know, the, the mentality for us was, you know, you never want to, you know, you never want to give up touchdowns. You know, you always want to make them attempt field goals. But one thing we knew if at home and in that stadium that we were taught that we had to play 60 minutes, you know, and, and for us, we know the more opportunities that we had to get a chance to stop them, we were going to do that. They made some drives. Uh, they get they get a check, too. But we did not waver. Like, our mindset didn't change. Of us being a great defense, make them snap the ball again, and we were going to find a way to win the, win the game because we had so many playmakers. As defensive backs, I went back and rewatched that play. Romo uh, made about 12 spins and had a half hour to throw the football, and Ike actually covered Owens, but he went back yeah. and forth in the back of the end zone about three or four times, and Ike right. still was covered on him, and he threw, he threw it above it. Is that As a defensive back, is that hard for you guys in that situation to stay plastered on your guy? Oh, it is. You know, that's, that's always the, the tough thing about, you know, people putting your eyes in the right spot. Uh, you know, sometimes they're going to make a play, but we had such a great coach with Coach LeBow, one thing that – that he would always show and I still use this to this day of um, he would always talk about everybody sees the corner one-on-one. <clears throat> but one thing he would do, he would stop the film a lot of times early in training camp and, and in meetings and the, and show all the D linemen and say the same thing. 
your one-on-one, your one-on-one is just everybody in the stands here, the DB's one-on-one. So it's everybody's job on that field to win their one-on-one matchups. And, you know, and, and it's tough as a DB, but we all know that, you know, we knew as a defense that everybody needs to win their one-on-ones. And, you know, after that happens, you just got to have that short-term memory and go back and play the next snap. You know, Terrell Owens, an outstanding player. He only had three catches on nine targets for that game for 32 yards and that one touchdown. Later in the third quarter, of course, our offense, were, they were not able to get anything going to Shard Choice, 50-yard catch and run. Uh, Dallas eventually gets into the red zone. They settle for a field goal to go up 13-3. Uh, the defense, our defense, the Steelers' defense, hadn't allowed over 10 points in a month. <laughs> so now <laughs> we broke a streak. I'm trying to it. 10 points in a month. Because that set up a field goal to make it 13. 13, so, yes. And it was kind of an accident of a play. If I, re- I mean, it, Choice came out of the backfield, and then three guys had a shot yes. at him, and, and Palomalo yeah. missed him, and Ike missed him, and then off he went for about 50 yards to set up the field goal. You remember the play? You know, just like always, missed tackles. But, you know, we, we got him down. And, and, Shay, talk about that defense, like I stated, not – allowing over 10 points in a month, and then finally having an offense break that streak. On the sideline when, when that happened, knowing that we're down 13-3 to three at home late in the quarter, uh, late in the third quarter, what is the mentality as a leader on the defense right now? What are you telling? Give the listeners an insight on what are you telling the guys from the secondary to the guys in the linebacker and the guys on the, fir- fir- uh, the, the first level and the defensive front. What are you telling the guys right now, knowing that we down 10 points? Well, for one, you know, the great thing about it, you know, the offense, they did their part, you know, and that's that's the thing. But one thing that you have to know um, about a defense when you're at that point is don't panic. You know, it's, it's so easy to say, but you have to have the mindset not to try to go out there and do too much. Um, if you look at the amount of plays that we made on our defense that, that, that game or that year, was it was so many different guys that made plays throughout their run. So the first thing that you have to do is not press. Don't press, you know, don't waver. And then just go out there now and that's hungry and they had 13. Let's find a way to get, get one of them back. And, um, you know, I think that was the thing that as a leader, you have to keep that guy's focus on what's at hand. You know, let's make our play. You know, stop letting them make their plays. Let's make our play. And a play don't care who makes it. Well, a little later in the quarter, though, you guys looked like you were going to get back into the game, and uh, Gary Russell got stopped on th- uh, fourth quarter. Yeah, in the fourth quarter, Gary Russell got stopped on fourth and one. How deflating can that be for a defense, and how did you guys prevent it from being deflating? Because clearly you went on and won the football game. I think we knew our worth. You know, for us, we knew how good of a defense we were. And I think, uh, like I stated earlier, so much of us was we wanted to be the best defense on the field. And, um, you know, when you see that other defense out there making plays, um, you know, in our in our conference that year, we had a lot of good defenses. So when you see another defense out there making plays, it gives you energy to go out there, hey, we got to outplay that defense. You know, their defense is doing their part. Let's make sure we go out in two hours. And I think that was just another part of the mindset of, of that 2008 defense. And for me, too, Deshae, thinking back now, and fans and listeners, you probably could – I relate to this. I think that was the most important stand in the game, not the fourth, uh, the turnover on downs because Gary Russell was stopped, but the defense coming right. on the football field, short field and did not allow anything. We got an opportunity right. to get us, get a stop and got the ball back into our offense hands. And eventually they were able to, uh, uh, set up for an opportunity to get a field goal. 
we came through big time, Jeff Reed, and now we're down 13-6. So when you look at that turnover on downs a few series before that, if the defense don't bow their back and allow right. at least three points, now we're down 16-3, worst case scenario. Ball game's over. Ball, pretty yeah, much. Ball game's over. So for us, I think that was the most critical moment in that ball game, getting the stop after the turnover on downs, getting the ball back into offense hands. Granted, they didn't score a touchdown, but they scored a field goal. Now it's a seven-point ball game. Yeah, San Antonio right. Holmes that's what set, you up, want to get set that, to. that up. One possession yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, San Antonio Holmes uh, punt, a punt return. Yeah, a 35-yard yeah. punt return. Side line down and almost returned it for a touchdown, but yeah. ended up getting three because their defense was playing very well that mm-hmm. day too. But then they get the ball. You guys get the ball back for the offense again. You had to do that, uh, and Roethlisberger drove him down to the touchdown. Do you remember the drive? Yeah. Heath, Heath, yeah, Heath Miller. Nate, Heath, the whole uh, stadium screaming. Nate yeah. Washington, Nate, Nate Washington had a, a big drive, a big series uh, of catches that drive, not to mention leading up to Heath Miller with a, a six yard touchdown grab with two minutes and four seconds remaining. Now the game is tied. Now this is where, as far as a defensive unit, knowing that we have an outstanding passer and Tony Romo getting ready to get the ball back, two minute situation, worst case scenario, they get a field goal. They go up late in the ball game. This is a critical moment in Deshae. Well, before you get to Deshae's play, there was always a perception of Romo in the fourth quarter, not <laughs> producing in the fourth you're, you're quarter, not being clutch not in being the fourth clutch. quarter. And I think there's a lot of misnomer about that, by the way. If you go back and look through history, he's actually he was pretty good. Mm-hmm. But when you guys are playing Romo in that situation, how are you perceiving it? Well, first off, they played a great song before we can you talk? Can, can, can you can, can you elaborate they, they play, about that song? They played the, the great song that normally gets us fired up before we go out and play. If you ever have a chance to go to the Steeler games and they play, oh mama, when play they play sticks. that, they play that sticks. Not, you, <laughs> you have to go out there and succeed. Yeah. So they play that. Lead me through a new song comes on. Yes, you know, sir. That, typically, they don't play that song at one time, but I think we might have heard that song. Two times in that, that, in that, in that game. That's you know, so, that Renegade. Uh, yeah, I know the Renegade. That Renegade. Yes. Yeah. So when they play that, that intro, we know for a fact that you got to go out there and do your part. That's, that's the most important lead in to any time you're going on that field in three, I mean, in Heinz Field. Uh, when they play that song, you have yeah. to go out there and make it's, plays. It's an unbelievable. So no, experience. no perception of Romo and his failures in the fourth quarter for you guys? Well, for us, we know the game is tied. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> Romo just happens to be the next victim. We don't care who it was it at that point. You know, he is the next guy on the table for us to go out there and and and, and win the game. Or and like, and they were backed up, put our team mm-hmm. in a situation to get the ball get with the ball back. Field. Yeah, and, and and that's that's even more important. You guys called timeout before Deshae had a great play. We'll go through the play, but I want to take what's what's the thought process? Because there, you know, he threw an interception. It was right into Deshae's hands. Deshae, you tur- returned it for a touchdown, win the game. But there was also a timeout before that play. Right. What were you saying on the sideline? Did you know he was going to Witten in that situation? Well, well what it ha- what really is kind of neat about the story is, and I wish Coach Lebo was on it to say it is. You know, typically when you come to the sideline, everybody gives him his opinion on what call they want. Mm-hmm. And um, and when he when I came to the sideline, I told him, "Hey, let's run this defense. We call it zone auto." Zone auto. Can, so can you can you explain what zone auto is? So you're in one. If you're in a two by two set, so if two receivers are uh, flanked on both sides, 
we'll basically run cover four. But if you give us a three by one set, we'll run a, basically a rotated cover three. Rafflin. And um, you know, so when he asked, I said, Hey, let's run zone auto because they were they were we were we simply would be in a fifty five situation or a man situation and they would run press outs with Whitney. Mm-hmm. Right. They like to run him on the press out and it was third and five or six, I think it was third and short. And that and he could body you up and catch the ball. Mm-hmm. But this gave us an opportunity to play with some vision, you know, come down the bracket winning from an inside and outside uh, position. And uh, when he called it, um, you know, the conversation was all right. He calls on that, and I know at least uh, we got to stop their number one target on third down. Conversation with. So you're on cover three on that side of the field, then is what you're playing. We were based on cover three on yeah. the backside, the backside corner. He was singled up on 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 the X. And they, um, Troy did a great job. Um, if you watch the play and BMAC talked about it earlier, we tried to do a great job of showing the quarterback mm-hmm. something and giving them something else. And, um, uh, so Troy showed basically a cover two. So the quarterback threw, thought he was going to get 55. He thought he was going to get that cover two shell, get Witten on an easy press out. Um, but as the snap, um, me and Troy rotated our coverage. He was to the flat. Um, he buzzed down the number one. I dropped straight back and it confused Witness. I mean, it confused Romo. It confused and so Romo. he, you know, tried to short on the throw and he threw it right to me. Listen, that right there is what made us so good. Because as an, an experienced quarterback that has seen a lot of defenses, for you to see one thing and then once the ball is in play, the defense changes on the fly. Witten had no and Tony Roma had no clue what was going on. So basically, could you simplify that a little more as far as the listeners that who may never get an opportunity <laughs> to be in a huddle as far as terminology? Because give us an in-depth visual of what you saw as far as formations. Because like you said, we right. had a, a Ralph Larry call. Explain the Ralph Larry call and what it meant to our defense. And explain the formation that we saw. From you, right? As far as the strength and the weaknesses, break down the entire formation because, of course, you know, with us, we use cars to, to dictate what we saw as far as queens, as far as kings, as far right. as aces. Right. Break that whole process down for the listeners that may never hear this type of football talk before, so they can understand exactly what you saw and what made you and Troy decide to invert the coverages on the fly to right. lead to a game-winning interception. Uh, so you know, like like B Mac said, we they came out in kings. For everybody, it could be nowadays they use the number system eleven. And Kings for us was uh, three wide receivers and two tight ends. I mean, one tight end, one back. Uh, so they came out in a three by one set. Uh, they had three three receivers on one side, one receiver backside. And uh, we wanted to give Romo a cover two shell. We wanted him to see that we were in um, a basically a fifty five coverage uh, with help over help over um, Owens and singled up on the inside. Um, with Witten. And uh, so we gave Romo that look. You know, we always believe that it's harder for the quarterback to take the snap, see the ball, look back up because his free pre-snap read is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so for us, typically I've done to the flat. But we wanted to give Romo a man-to-man look. So I stayed down playing like I was man. So I danced to the flat. I kicked the zone on the hash, and the quarterback never knew where we were you guys probably don't remember this because you weren't watching the game, but Witten, they put the camera on Witten on the sideline as he was going to the sideline, and he kept tapping himself saying that was on him and not right. Romo. What was he supposed right. to do? If he reads that so, defense the right way, what's he supposed to do? 
Right. So those guys, those guys, once he see, once him and the quarterback on the same page. So on pre-snap, he saw two safeties high. So for him, he knew that he was supposed to press out. Right. He knew he was supposed to press out. But court, uh, but Romo saw it as too high. He wanted him to take it down the seam because anytime you have cover two, they want to beat you down the shoot. And um, he Romo threw it down the middle. Wynn saw it as cover two. I mean, saw it as cover three and pressed out. And that's that's they run on the same page. But mm-hmm. all of their pre-snap read is what is the two safeties doing? What route is my option off of it? And Romo saw it one way, and Wynn saw it another, and, and Wynn was wrong. I mean, that's that's beautiful. I mean, that is beautiful from the football standpoint of just being able to dissect, show an offense one thing. And Dick LeBeau used to tell us all the time, the element of surprise is something no player can prepare for because you don't, you don't know. And that's why I think that year we excelled so much, especially in critical moments of the ball game, because we were able to change things on the fly. And basically, Troy played Deshae. And Deshae played Troy just from a different lining. The alignment yeah. was totally different. And even though Jason was on the sideline saying that was my fault, technically it wasn't because you got something you did not expect to see. No. <laughs> there was right. also pre- there was also pressure in Romo's face. I think it was Lamar Woodley had a little bit of pressure from from the side over there and, and got in his face. So oh, yeah. he had to throw throw quicker than he really wanted to. But Deshae, you're sitting there and that ball's like thrown right that had to be one of the easiest interceptions you've ever Man. had in your career. Man, it was. The only thing I was thinking about was a movie Rudy. Don't drop it. Don't do not drop it. And, and then not to mention, Shay, when you went on your, went on the street, like you better not let Jason or anyone of them off his line and get you prevent no, you from no, getting Jason. to the end zone. <laughs> That's in the fire book too. But yeah, once it was in the air, I was like, Oh my goodness, I gotta free you. So the first thing was to catch it in a bear hug, which I did, which is a whole wrong technique. Catching the ball, but I knew I was not gonna drop it. And then the next thing was to act up a tight end, you know, and then we all know you better not let an old lineman or a tight end catch you in that situation. And, and it, you know, just like we said, we never know who was going to make the play, but we knew somebody was going to make it. And it just so happened that was my opportunity to make it at that moment. You hate to say if one play, one game would impact the rest of that season, but if you lose that game at home and you don't come back from 10 down in the fourth quarter, do you think it's a different Pittsburgh Steelers outcome at the end of the season, or do you think you're still the same team? I, I, it most definitely gives you confidence. Um, that's one thing we all know in this game. Once you get rolling, it's tough to beat a team with momentum. Um, you never know. I think we had a, a bunch of guys that had uh, a lot of resolve. We had a we had a really tough mentality as a group of guys, just because that's who we were. Because we were so close, um, we you know we didn't want to let each other down more than letting ourselves down. So I think we were so close as a group and so tough-minded that we would have bounced back. But once you win those type of games in those type of ways, it just continues to make you more invincible in your mind that you can win any game and you're going to stick together throughout regardless of what goes on. Well, the next week, I mean, we're going to move on to the next week. You, you, you win that game and you're sitting pretty, but, oh, next week, and we'll dissect this one coming up, but you get the Baltimore <laughs> Ravens. And Ravens week, just to give them – our audience, a little tease. What's Ravens week like for the Steelers? Oh, oh man, this is, this is, you know, when you think about that, when you know, uh, you know, Costa Bo says if you average, and like D-Max said, is if you average 17 points in the NFL back then, you would be in the top five. 
all right, in points. And mm-hmm. we all know if you're in the top five in defense, I just did a study this year, if you're in the top five in defense, you will make the playoffs 65% of the time, 60% of the time. So we know to be to get into the playoffs, you got to be in the top five of defense. So that was our mindset. Um, but we, we our average was 17, but that week it better be 10. Yeah. Because you knew. <laughs> You knew if you gave up 11, you probably would lose the game. And that, that was the mindset when we played Baltimore. But there you have it, listeners. Oh, by the way, we need to label this game the what? gift. The gift? Deshae got the gift. I mean, actually, <laughs> I mean, he got the gift, but he it's, earned it's the gift. such a gift that, you know, when I go back to Pittsburgh, I typically don't have to buy myself a drink. <laughs> that's the, that's the hey, best hey, gift hey, that hey, keeps hey, on hey, giving, right? Hey, Shay. Hey, people, hey, they don't understand when you, when you, when you do great things in a Steeler uniform, you're there forever indebted to you. You go back to the Steel <laughs> City. Awesome. You can't go to Woodson's anymore, though, right? Woodson's. <laughs> Woodson's. What's Woodson's? Woodson's, yeah, we're always allowed there. It's Is closed, it still there? It's not there anymore. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. No, it's closed. Yeah. Jerome's is there. Medicine's is still there. Hyde still Park. There. <laughs> yeah, we had, we had a lot of little spots. And that year, man, we really had a great time away from the football field because we were winning, but we were kind of, you know, fraternizing with you, with each other because we had a lot of quality memories to talk about. And James Hyverson even smiled once or twice. Oh, right James! Yeah. <laughs> James just—he don't smile for the for, for the media. For us, man, we right. yeah, we we smile and make fun of uh, Debo and his funeral made right. suits. You know, we say he's like a funeral arranger or some of his suits he wore. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, the, hey. the suit game has changed so much now. Be back. I already know. Everybody got their euro cut, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. But Shay, man, it was an honor. Listeners, once again, bringing on an outstanding Steeler legend, 13-year pro, 12 years in the Steeler uniform, two-time Super Bowl champion. Shay recapping Week 14, 20 to 13 victory against the Dallas Cowboys. The Steelers now improved to 10 and 3 with a big-time divisional matchup. Week 15, week. it's Ravens week. We tapped into that a little bit with Deshay, but our next episode we will thoroughly go through that throughout that ball game, talking about the game plan leading up to another impressive Steeler victory. Subscribe to the season 2008 Steelers on iTunes and anywhere else podcasts are found. So you're up to date on our episodes that are released each Monday up until the Super Bowl. Until then, in the words of legend Dick LeBeau, adios.